You're listening to Unshackled Leadership, a lantern for black women. This podcast is produced to help black women in leadership become more centered by silencing their inner critic and creating strategies to become more confident and innovative. I'm your host, ICF Certified Executive Leadership Coach, Joya Jefferson-Nuri. We have a very special guest today, C.B. Bowman. C.B. Bowman is a master coach who has been coaching in the space of corporations and large associations for a number of years, has a lot of experience. And she also has a new book coming out called The Courage to Leap and Lead, a roadmap for redefining failure into success and is expected out during the month of May, 2023. CB is a graduate of the New School for Social Research. She received her MBA at Pace University, where she served on the advisory board for the Lubin School of Business and as an adjunct professor in the marketing department. She also served as an instructor at Rutgers University Center for Management Development and as an adjunct professor at the Mercy College teaching organizational behavior and human resource management. She is now on the journey to teach us about courage. And this show is focused on Black women in leadership. Those of us who have made it to the C-suite or senior vice president or senior managers and how important courage is. In previous broadcasts, you know, I have talked about the inner critic and how the inner critic can tap down your ability to achieve. It sets up a false upper limit for you. But CB is adding another element to that battle with the inner critic and with your false upper limits and limiting your move from your zone of excellence to your zone of genius. CB, I want to welcome you to Unshackled Leadership. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here. I'm so proud of this podcast. Let's uh, rock it. Thank you. We will. We will. First, Define courage for us. So let me define the traditional definition of courage, which is to do something in the face of fear. You have to forgive my cough here in Colorado. My allergies are all forgiven. Full play. Um, And so face of fear, what does that mean? We've associated with what I call macro courage which means people think of it as, oh, I need to run into a building to save somebody when the, when the building's on fire. I need to jump in a pool to save a drowning dog or a drowning child. That's macro courage. And that's what we associate it with. And I'm here to present to you a new concept, which is micro courage. It is something that we experience every single day of our lives, and every single one of us it's have it in us to experience that. And that's simply understanding your achievements and applauding your achievements. It's the courage to say yes. It's the courage to say no. It's the courage to say, I don't know. It's simply the courage to make a decision. We do that every single day. The courage to make a decision. Yes. What I loved most about your description of the micro courage is what you said, embracing what we've already achieved, to have the courage. A lot of people may see that as braggadocious. 
that you have the courage to embrace what you have achieved? You know, it's all about how you say things in this world, right? If you talk about how you are, and we need to do this as Black women, how proud you are of yourself. Mm -hmm. First of all, it throws people off, generally speaking. But if you follow that with, I'm so proud of myself because I took on something that was really challenging. That was to sue a couple of Fortune 500 companies for race discrimination. Now, versus saying, hey, you know what? I'm a big shot here. You know, I'm the one who opened the doors for everybody. I took on the companies. I did this. I did that. Do you hear the difference? I do hear that. There's one owning your greatness and there's one that is just begging for more praise from other people. Yes, being flamboyant about it. Yes, right. There's a big difference. One is more humble and accepting of yourself. The other one is I'm bragging because I'm not sure who I am. And I need to tell you all about that. For the black woman in the workplace, she faces not just her normal inner critic that we all have. She faces her normal self-doubts. She faces probably some family burden that shouldn't be hers to, to pull into this. And then on top of that, she has sexism and racism. How do you muster courage when you have your own stuff Mm -hmm. and then you have systematic things that seems insurmountable sometimes? How do you muster your courage and what does that courage look like? So that courage, my my, uh, commitment to the world is for each person to understand, and please ask me each one of those questions separately. I will. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Is to understand that courage is in the eye of the beholder. And that is the beholder is you, right? Mm-hmm. For for black women in the workplace, the first decision we have to make is to accept our abilities to contribute. And to be who we are. We need, a, we need to be the first at the head of the line to get rid of the imposter syndrome. We mm-hmm. have to have the courage to do that. And we have to understand the way to do that and when to do that. But first start inside. Because once you accept who you are, once you accept being in your power, then it gets a whole lot easier for you to move to where you want to go. You've accepted who you are. You have, you're at the front of the line to get rid of the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And then there's racism. Yeah. And so, you know, owning yourself and dealing with racism, two different things and both are needed. So, When I was coming along and I experienced racism for the first time, it was in corporate America. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't have any mentors. I didn't even know there was, I was in that situation. That's how naive I was. It takes us a moment, and and I'm sad to say this, to reach out to our sisters and brothers to say, this is what I'm experiencing. What do you know about it? 
Because if you haven't been, what you don't know, you don't know, right? And while we think we're born black and so therefore we should know racism from the get-go, that's not true because racism comes in all different forms. It even comes from each of us and we're in the same tribe, right? So understanding it, knowing it, talking about it, finding out where the truth is, and then deciding what action you're gonna take. Now, I gave an example yesterday. I'll give you a quick, quick example. You can decide to do nothing that doesn't make you less of a person. It makes you a person who has had the courage to decide not to do anything. When I was living in New Jersey, I had a neighbor across the way who was an Italian woman. She was probably in her late 70s, 80s, and she adored me. She would have me over for tea every single weekend with her sisters. We'd have this, you know, women's club. Above her sink was a little statue of Aunt Jemima. Now, was I going to tell this woman that's offensive to me? Or was I going to let it ride because of her age and because how she presented herself to me? She was inclusive. That's what we want, right? I made a decision not to say anything to her because it would just, she would be mortified. She had it there because she loves cooking. Because I talked to her about it. I said, oh, you know, that's a great, why do you, and she told me. And I just smiled to myself. Now, on the other hand, when I realized the tremendous amount of racism I was facing in corporate America, I decided to go to an attorney and do something about it. So this, you have to decide what's underneath. You have to listen. You have to ask questions. What's underneath what you see and what's underneath what you hear, right? Now, I've taken on people who have said to me, CB, you can't do this in a totally white female environment of very wealthy women. And then I see them doing that the very next week. Yeah. My decision right then and there was to say, excuse me, just want to point out to you my perspective, which is you've got some inner racism that's really coming out very clear because you're doing exactly what you said to me. I cannot do. You, you said the word listen. Mm -hmm. And from the Aunt Jemima statue to the corporate lawsuit to the women telling you, you can't do this. It seems to me that what you're saying is you first have to listen to yourself. Yes. You have to listen to your gut and that creates part of your courage because you are is now courage. discerning. That is courage in itself mm. to listen to your gut. That's the first person you need to listen to. Yeah. And when you're listening to yourself, then you can discern mm -hmm. your actions after that. Yeah. To forgive an older Italian woman who had the statue because her symbolism of that was a great cook. That Aunt yeah. Jemima knew how to cook. 
Yes. And this was her inspiration. Yes. She hadn't even played it through the whole lens of racism and hate and all of this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and so you discern not to do anything. You also discerned to speak up to the women who were doing exactly what they told you not. So they're limiting your movement, but not limiting their own. Absolutely. So in the face of now you've, you said, listening yourself is the, is the beginning of your courage is the foundation of your courage. You have done this. And as you're now accepting who you are, quieting the saboteur, listening to yourself in your book, it says your subtitle is a roadmap to redefining failure into success. Mm-hmm. Where does that play into the courage conversation? So the first thing is to say to yourself, I'm going to have the courage to do or not to do. If you decide to do or not to do, and it doesn't work out according to your plan or your script, you now need to look at it from a perspective of education, not failure. I I would love it if somebody gave me this giant eraser and I can erase failure from the dictionary. Hmm. We forget that life is a university. We only think about universities as the place we go to, we give a lot of money and we're told to read a lot of books and write a lot of papers. Is that truly a university or is it living life and learning from it and understanding what to do, what not to do, when to do it, how to do it? So if you can look at things that did not go the way you planned it to go and dissect it, Dissect it without bias. That's the key. And say, okay, so if I had done this, then this would happen. This is what I did, and how does it compare? Right? So you really, in in my book, I give you tools for learning how to dissect things so that it becomes a teaching and a learning moment. And you have the courage to go back in and do it a different way with what you've learned. I love what you just said. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love what you just said, because I find with working with in my leadership uh, coaching practice, where I work with black women, Mm -hmm. that the dissecting becomes the beat up process (laughs) where they beat themselves up for making that mistake and their inner critic and their, their, their sense of constant failure, so afraid to make a mistake, it's the beat up process. And I'm always saying, like, no, 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 no. We're not going to beat ourselves up. You're not 12. You know, it's not what happened in high school. It's not what happened in your first marriage. This is what happened now. And I love the word dissect, where you come in and you look at your role, you look at the role of other people in it, you look, you just break it apart and you look at each part and you keep from what I'm hearing you're saying, you keep what works. Yes. And you let go of the stuff that didn't work and keep it moving. You keep it moving. But before you let go, you analyze what it was that you did. Yes. Yes. And be really clear about it and really, you know, sort of have an out-of-body experience where you can look down and remember each step Mm -hmm. that you took and when it went in a different direction than you want it to. What was that key moment or key set of events 
then you need to sit down and say, okay, so let's do a couple of what ifs. You know, my husband is always teasing me that I'm a what if person. Yeah, because I like to have my scenarios. I like to have plan A, B, and C in place. That way I'm not devastated to the point of being paralyzed about what I'm going to do next. This is wonderful. And what I have planned to do next could be wrong, but then I'm going to have the courage to make a shift again. Have the courage to make another shift. And isn't life CB just a level, one big road of shifting and shifting and shifting? Doesn't that, isn't that what makes it exciting? Life is a dance. Life is a dance. Life is a dance. And who wants to do the same dance over and over again? You know, you want to change it up. Absolutely. C.B. Bowen, Bowman, I am so happy to have you here today. And thank you for your time. Her new book coming out in the month of May. Uh, Actually, I think it'll probably be out the end of May, beginning of June. Okay. Well, Mm -hmm. it's going to be linked here on the website for Unshackled Leadership. And it will be in our promotional materials. For the next few weeks to make sure people get a copy of Courage to Leap and Lead, a roadmap, a roadmap. I can't say roadmap. That's okay. We get it. Courage to Leap and Lead, a roadmap for redefining failure into success. We appreciate your wisdom here today. And we thank you, the audience, for joining us. I'm Joya Jefferson Nuri, the host of Unshackled Leadership. You are very welcome and thank you. Thank you for joining me here for this episode of Unshackled Leadership, a lantern for black women. I hope you learned something here that will empower you. Now, if you want to reach me for individual coaching, you can find me on LinkedIn or at my website in the Public Eye Communications. And I invite you to subscribe to us. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or on YouTube. And please leave a comment. I would love to hear from you. I'm Joya Jefferson-Nuri. I'm an ICF Certified Executive Leadership Coach. Thanks for joining me.